all you have is your assessment. All you have is your assessment. As a new graduate nurse, especially, I think particularly working in critical care areas like the ER or the ICU, there's a lot of internalized self-doubt. You don't even trust your own eyes, really. And all of the knowledge that comes from with being a critical care nurse is going to come with time. And that's why we built Coffee Care Academy, so that you can have a library of resources to really build your knowledge and skills over time. But as a new graduate nurse, as soon as you start working in these critical air- care areas, trust your assessment. Yeah, that's like the one skill that like, you really do have driven home in nursing school. So today in this video, we're going to talk about like, why is your assessment the most important piece to being a nurse, but especially a critical care nurse? Why the times that Anna and I have both experienced like good catches or for stories about misses because of the assessment. And then the last thing we're going to talk about is what happens when you do identify something and you don't know what it means. Right. So before we get further into it, my name's Chrissy. I'm a CRNA. I've been a nurse anesthetist for five and a half years. And before that, I was a heart and vascular ICU nurse. My name's Anna. I'm a first year student registered nurse anesthetist. And I was a CDCQ nurse at my staff job. I traveled nurse for about two and a half years before and then during the first semester of CRNA school. I finished out with some per diem PACU work. And now I'm a full-time graduate student and building Coptic Care Academy full-time. We love it. I love it. So diving in really to talking about all you have is your assessment. We were talking last night about how some pivotal moments really had ripple effects in both our lives and then the lives of people who we then kind of pass the torch on to. My preceptor when I was a new grad, his name's Albert. He's amazing. And he really instilled in me, first of all, to believe in myself and trust my assessment. Like don't gaslight yourself out. <laughs> I used to always say, I used to gas myself, gaslight myself out of everything. But like, I don't know, is it a post really weaker? Like, is it really dusky? You're like, but like, are they telling you about it? You're like, I don't know. You know, like, oh, is that like a, is that pulse palpable? And do I actually not feel it or do I just suck? <laughs> or am I feeling the pulse for one of my, or is it my own figure at fault? So he really instilled in me just to trust my assessment. He's like, you are the nurse at the bedside. You know what this patient looked like at the beginning of your shift and you know what they look like now. If there's been any changes, you're going to be the one who's going to see that first. And if you think there's been a change, you can always ask another nurse for their opinion if you are nervous as a new graduate nurse this is the first tip that i would say for like a really critical patient let's say for example you have a patient and they had invasive surgery and there's concern that they're going to lose pulsatility in one of their lower extremities right like a vascular surgery or something like hey keep an eye out on the pulses if you're concerned that you no longer have your dp or your pt and you have your doppler and you can't find it before you grab the provider you can get your next door neighbor to look at it really quickly yeah get another name confirm yeah. yeah so like trust your assessment but then also like ask for help oh, and that goes back to so trust but verify everything right so usually when we say trust but verify we're talking about getting report from other people about your patient like I, I i'm sure that's right but i'm also gonna look at the labs myself you should also trust but verify yourself when you're unsure of something right like i think that this Patients' pupils look a little small. Can you take a look at it with me and tell me what? Oh, it's because they're on a fentanyl infusion and opioids make their pupils small. Oh, oh okay. Yeah. Right? So, like, these are the things that, like, as a new grad nurse, you're going to be unsure of yourself. You're going to see that things are off. Nursing schools do this really, really well. They drive up assessment extremely well. During med surge one, during your, like, specialty rotation, full head to toe assessment on, like, walk toss. Yeah, you had to, like, demonstrate it in a lab. You did it every day in clinical. Your instructor would watch. You, other nurses would watch you like you really do know assessment as a new grad nurse so yeah. go on in there and do it and beyond that do it with the offgoing nurse at change of shift report make sure that everything looks the same people might eye roll at you if that's not the culture of the unit but 
it's really important to advocate for yourself here and say, for my learning or for my peace of mind or for my understanding, can we go in and look at the patient together so that I know everything looks the same that it did for you overnight? I want to make sure that when I give it a four out of five strength, that my four out of five looks like your four out of five. And a really quick way to do that, because it's really intimidating to get the nurse who wants to leave immediately to go in back in the room, is at the end of report, you stand up and start walking into the room and you say, let's just look at the drips real quick. Like, or let's just look at the patient real quick. Because then that is not, you're not really asking permission to down it. Like, we're going to do this. And everybody knows you should do it anyway. Yeah. So as you said, if at the end of the report, you say, great, let's look at the patient. That is what, that's my go-to line, even my super grumpy nurses, because you're not asking, you're telling. It's like, great, let's look at the patient really quickly. You're not doing a full head-to-toe assessment on handoff necessarily. But one thing I will say, this is bringing back a lot of my experiences as a traveler too, right? So as a traveler, you're kind of an island. You don't know, you don't know the unit's policies. You don't know your coworkers. You don't know your preceptors. You don't know your, you don't know the APPs either. And they don't know you. There's a flip side of you really have to be very thorough as a travel nurse because you don't know the unit culture and you don't know other people. So then you really have to be even like more thorough with your patients. So the communication piece is also extremely helpful as a travel nurse. If there's something you're not entirely sure about, looping in the charge nurse to double check shows and communicates to the team that you're thorough and you're not ignoring your patients and that you are going to be thorough and ask a question. The nurse who's going to ask a question is always the safer nurse at the end of the day. It's going to help build trust and help you look more confident. Like people would rather you ask the question. And even if you get a snide remark, like, oh, you don't know that. They would rather that you ask at the end of the day. Like it does give people a peace of mind about you and working with you and like trusting their patient with you than someone who never asks at all. Like that is definitely the scariest person is the person who doesn't ask the question. The new grad who doesn't ask questions, the traveler who doesn't ask questions, it should be popping up red flags for you. Because that should have question. Like you... And another like quick phrasing thing that I found that helps that kind of both establishes trust and then also sets the tone as a travel nurse or as a nurse who got off orientation, but you haven't been there for four years yet. You want to double check something with another nurse is you could be like, hey, could I double check something with you real quick? Because that communicates like, hey, I did assess this, but I want to confirm I'm doing it right. And absolutely. That again communicates like you're being thorough and that you're going to look into something and then like there might just be policy differences and stuff and then really circling back to like just like the physical assessment piece of things in the ICU things change so quickly they really do and one of the biggest things that you need to make sure you're doing so again like trust your assessment but do that thorough assessment in the beginning we really emphasize actually in the confident care academy membership we have like a whole lecture on assessment and we had a assessment checklist that like you can literally print and bring with you to work there's a book that i recommend every healthcare provider professional reads on the checklist manifesto by atul gawande love that man i'm a big atul stan sorry sorry dr gawande <laughs> like, it's amazing and basically the idea is that like we are more efficient thorough and safe if we use checklists and then carry lines are very big on checklists and doesn't matter if you've done something a million times like the rate of errors is a lot higher than we think when we don't use checklists so being a new grad or just in a new environment having a written checklist in the beginning that you can physically check everything off is huge or even just a mental checklist like every day that i go into the operating room and every single case before i start i have a mental checklist mnemonic soap tim or soap time and i literally do my safety checks every single time and i i say them out loud and it's so funny because people walk in over you're like what are you talking to yourself i'm like i'm just like checklist i'm talking to myself and so they just say and other people sometimes giggle they're like hee i do that too like yeah but i don't know it's like you should do it so you know it's important to have these checklists and again like go through it be thorough step by step one thing at a time and even if you don't know what something means you know that it's not 
right? Like these pupils look a little funky and I don't know why, but it doesn't really look like a blown pupil. I've seen that before. What's going on here? You might dig into that further or find out they had cataract surgery and their lens has been replaced and the pupil doesn't have normal, like it doesn't dilate and contract. You did normally like another, you did a good assessment. And that did a good assessment. You picked up on that. I had a patient as a new grad who had arterial graft site previously to one of their, for one of their cardiac surgeries. But then I didn't know that we were admitting, it was like a MICU, they were heading to the OR really quickly. So I was doing my assessment and then to the team, I was like, I wasn't able to like really appreciate it. I don't have a pulse. In arterial, like in art on the left side. And they were like, excellent physical assessment. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> right? The thing is, it's like, you're never going to regret being thorough. And then it's only going to take you one moment of panic of hearing of someone else who skipped a step or you skipping a step for that, hopefully to be like seared into your brain. I do think that like sometimes ICU orientations have been cut really short in the post-COVID era. Like we're still in COVID. We should like have nurses are getting full orientations. It's like from other new grads who also haven't experienced those things yet. Like they can't scare the fear of God into you because they haven't seen anything bad yet themselves. And I think that is something that really is concerning me in the era of 2022 and 2023. It's horrible. Some of the critical care nurses who are coming in actually are not apprehensive enough. Like they might be anxious like at baseline, but they don't necessarily appreciate like the severity of how sick patients are and like how critical the decisions that they're making are and are they're used to the routine of yeah but like they memorize the routine right and then like all the experienced nurses are gone and then they just like haven't seen enough bad stuff happen yet and they they don't understand what could go wrong you know that there's that saying that we always say in medicine like you don't know what you don't know yeah and it's so true like the longer you're around the more things get context the more things you see that like could happen so for example i think something that i've personally witnessed nurses do overnight on night shifts is like sit down at the computer and like maybe like do some homework or watch a Netflix show and not go in the room hourly like they should. And you need to be documenting and actually measuring your urine output every hour because in a critically ill patient, if all of a sudden your urine output drops off, that patient is losing perfusion to the kidneys. Why? They're losing perfusion elsewhere. This is an early morning sign of shock or hypotension or something going on that's extremely bad. Like, yeah, bad. And it's just something like measuring the urine. Like you don't know how credible your Foley catheter is until you have a patient who oh the nurse like you know they went in like three hours later and the urine is 50 and they kind of just like made up like oh 30 this hour 20 this hour like oh i'm sure next hour it'll get better or was it 10 an hour the last two hours and like there's something drastically wrong right don't assume i had when i was still like a pretty new icu nurse there was another patient that wasn't my patient but there was an instance where they were on advanced circulatory support i think they were on ecmo and they had a lot they were very sick they had multiple system organ failure but the preceptor of the new grad nurse caught a blown pupil and not the new grad nurse they didn't know when it had happened so because they weren't checking pupils because they weren't doing like frequent enough assessments and that that's the sort of situation where you're put on the spot and it's like you didn't do what you were supposed to do and then at that point you've missed a window and that's the sort of thing that really it really stuck with me of like oh my gosh like something as simple as like would i have checked that pupil at like 4 a.m when i was supposed to have and now it's 6 a.m or even worse you know like it's handoff and you don't know when something critical happened to your patient like these are the sort of things that it actually is so so serious well in this case like you know, an ECMO patient, they're on high doses of anticoagulation in order for their blood to not clot 
off the circuit, right? Their blood is going out of their body through a machine back into their body. What happens when blood leaves the body? It clots off. So in order for it to not clot off, they're usually on a high dose heparin infusion. So if this patient is on all that heparin and then they have any sort of weak blood vessels in their brain, any sort of AV malformation, like any sort of aneurysm that wasn't identified before, or their blood pressure just goes very, very high for some reason. Maybe they've been turned and they're not sedated deeply enough and they're in pain and the pressure goes up. And then all of a sudden now you have very blood that's not clotting. And then you have a vessel that's prone to rupture in the brain. You have a massive brain. And then if that didn't get picked up for several hours, you've missed your window to either reverse some anticoagulation. I mean, I guess you wouldn't really reverse it if they're on it. Well, it's not reverse, but but it's, but maybe they could go to the OR and have that evacuated. Like there's different things that could potentially happen there, or you can give some mannitol to relieve the pressure on the brain and like create brain slides. Like there's interventions that could be done to improve the likelihood of neurologic recovery. And if you miss the window, it's too late. So it's important to be doing the pupil checks with their neuroassessment. I know the patient's intubated and sedated and asleep and that we're not going to be like getting a full neuro exam where they're smiling and sticking their tongue out, but you need to be checking the pupils. Yep. 100%. And then there was another time that on the flip side, I did see something, but I was really, it stuck with me because I almost didn't. So I was a new grad and we were, this is another really sick patient. This is the day that I realized that the liver is connected to the body, which is a whole same story. (laughs) So I I mean that in a way, okay, so this patient was in mods. They were in organ failure and they were a VB ECMO patient. They were uh, advanced like a flu case. So, you know, even pre-COVID, we would have severe respiratory distress patients who would sometimes go into multi-system organ failure if the disease was profound enough. So this was kind of the like situation overall. And then we had the end-stage organ failure where we were having liver dysfunction. So we were having glucose management issues and bleeding and clotting issues. And then my preceptor was really pushing me to be like, okay, well, like, why is this happening? Why are you having to do bicarb and glucose? Like, what are you in dexterous? Like, what are you doing here? And then that was the, for me, it was kind of the light switch of, oh, if we're having forward flow issues, it does eventually back up into the liver, then ischemia there is causing. It's very interesting, and I just am a critical care nerd. However, that being said, I was doing my handoff on this patient, like coming in, looking at the patient, decided to look underneath the sheets just to like glance over the like patient. Pulling back the blanket to like physically pull look at the patient. Yeah, pull back the blanket so I could actually like look at the patient before the off-going nurse left. And then they had had an incision that had like so some of the suture sites had maybe burst or maybe they were bleeding a lot more, but there was a lot of bleeding coming from that surgical site, a lot. And that was the sort of thing where I was like, I'm so glad that I saw this right at handoff. Oh my gosh, what if I had not checked right when I got here? Right, and then you would have like, Looked up your patient's HNP and you would have like, where's the bleeding dot? You went, did their assessment and did a med pass. And then you would have like seen they were profoundly hypotensive hours later when it was too late, right? Like that's, that's the scary thing. Um, I missed something as a new grad alternatively. <sighs> so it still frustrates me to this day. Although in retrospect, I think it was an inappropriate assignment pairing. So I was set up for failure now that I think about it, but that's okay. And why staffing, it, which is why staffing and ratios matter so much. And everybody needs to form a union so that you have safe patient ratios. Every time anything bad has ever happened to me as a bedside nurse, it's because I had like a pair and then like I did it have the help I needed. And like, and I asked for help and I was told that. Okay. So I'm not better. So basically I had this pair and I had one patient who was delirious and like was trying to get out of bed all night and he was a fall risk and like he needed a really close watch and my sitter was taken away, couldn't get a one-to-one. He really needed a one-to-one. The answer was no, um, of course. And then my other patient had a pacemaker put in that day and she was like pretty stable and like pretty okay, but I really did need the sitter for the other patient. And then my pod mates that night um, were 
being naughty nurses and were not helping me. Even when I would ask, they would eye roll or they'd go in like way later to help me with my turns, like whatever I need help with. And then that post-op patient who had the pacemaker put in, she was also getting delirious too. And so like I had two delirious patients who needed my attention. <laughs> and it's sprinting from her zero help from the other nurses. Like they like literally, but can you help me turn my patient? They'd be like, no, in a little, like, like I really just needed the help. I, yeah. So most of my attention is being focused on the super delirious patient all night because he just demands more. And then he had like a, his hemoglobin kept dropping like every few days. So he he ended up getting like blood transfusions like every few days and like nobody really knew why and whatever. So like his hemoglobin dropped again that night. And then I told the team they're like, all right, let's just give another unit of blood. Like he gets blood like every three days. Like you know this is not a shock to us. Maybe it'll help his like confusion because he'll get better perfusion to his brain. I'm like, okay, fine. And then meanwhile. I'm like, you know, I'm taking care of the other patient. She's getting everything done on time. But like, I'm just running back and forth so that nobody gets out of bed. The other patient, I change it. So I give the blood transfusion. By the way, I had to draw the first lab off the central line. And it was hemodilute. Like it came at a really low hemoglobin that like I knew was too low and wasn't accurate. But I sent off another one, mm -hmm. did it again. But like still his hemoglobin had been right in that threshold. So the, yeah. the attending position told me like, just give it anyway. Like he's been on the threshold and like maybe this will help. So like, I thought that was reasonable. Meanwhile, the other patient, the next morning it changes shift. The new nurse, the a more experienced nurse comes in and it takes over for me and she takes a look at the dressing and underneath the sling and there's a big hematoma basically at the pacemaker site. Like the patient had just like had like a big bleed there. And it, again, like it wasn't life threatening. She didn't like the blood replacement or anything, but I totally missed that a huge hematoma had formed like over the over the course of the night, which what should have been done is like, I should have caught that earlier. And then like someone could have held pressure on it. And then like, we could have prevented that. Like, yeah, you know, so she had like a hemoglobin drop also overnight. It didn't require transfusion. It wasn't life threatening, but like I missed it. I missed that in my assessment. So I missed that in my assessment. And then I got yelled that for giving the patient a potentially unnecessary transfusion which honestly he probably did it anyway but, <laughs> but you were also instructed but by the to get the blood of transfusion and then i was told that that was i should have told the doctor now that was like a whole nother thing i'm not better anyway well this one's another one of those <laughs> you do like you want the best for your patients and if you miss something like you feel terrible you feel terrible i feel terrible oh, well, i miss that hematoma i feel terrible about it and i feel terrible that like i didn't advocate more strongly to like get a blood draw from like a peripheral because like I wasn't good at sticking the veins yet and like I tried so hard we didn't have any veins left and then nobody would help me like what I should have done is looped in the chargers and had the chargers help me and yell at my coworkers to help me is what should have happened I, which really circles back to as a new grad a new grad like sticking up for yourself and using your resources yeah but then also they didn't want to do that back then but even more than that it's like that the assignment wasn't super appropriate like they should have had a sitter for the delirious he needed a sitter if that patient had had a sitter they would have gone differently yeah. Yeah. Things would have gone differently. And if I had advocated for myself and looked in the chargers or maybe one help. continued to advocate for sitter overnight, right? Like sometimes the changes shift. It's like, oh, this patient's been doing okay during the day. He doesn't need one. The answer is no. And then if you advocate for yourself again later, like, hey, all night he's still been trying to get a bed. Please, I need a sitter. Yeah. Then that can be reevaluated. Like they can look at other units to pull someone. Like things can like, you need to continue to advocate for yourself sometimes. Sometimes yeah. the answer is no at 7 p.m., but the answer is yes at 10 p.m. So it's important for you to continue to so assess another traveler tip is to bring things up more than once and then to more bring things up in the phrasing of staffing and then kind of also be in a, a subtle voice sometimes a little bit so like for example in a 7 30 p.m i just got handoff it's night shift one is delirious try to crawl out of the bed and the other one is also delirious immediately loop in charge and be like hey i have a pair they're both delirious and i really need a sitter for one of them 
And then they'll be like, we don't have staff for that. And they'd be like, I just wanted to let you know, like, I don't really think this is a safe assignment. Like for this pair, we might need to split it up for later. Yeah. And then at 2 a.m., like before they go to the staffing meeting, even like if you think that there is a chance that they might still also be as agitated, like advocate for more staff to again be like, hey, thank you so much for your help tonight. As you're looking at staffing for tomorrow day shift, I think this really needs a one-to-one sitter or at least with the pair. Like then you're advocating like for the next shift, like they shouldn't have two delirious patients because it's not safe. Anyway, so multiple times and like bring it up in the phrasing of staffing of like, hey, can you split the pair? Hey, can you get a little bit or like, or again with the turn stuff would be like, oh, can I get a little bit more help in here? Like I need a little help and advocate. Advocating for yourself is also advocating for your patients. Absolutely. So, you know, again, like looping this back in, all you have is your assessment. If you're a new grad nurse, change a shift, assess the patient together. So there's a change. You don't know what it means. Ask the question. Tell the team, you know, you have a patient and you're like not able to get to the most thorough assessment because you're pulled in too many directions. Advocate for yourself and like make sure you get in there and actually do a really good assessment. Like these are how things get missed. If you have a concern about a patient and you're, you just don't feel comfortable about it, it's totally okay to just immediately pull on the chargers and have them look at it. Hey, can you eyeball this patient? Something seems off. Can you look at this? And then especially if it's like a surgery surgical graft issue or if it's like a surgical site issue go ahead and pull the provider if they're standing right there and i found this to be even more true in pacu oh yeah i just quit my job in pacu i loved it though it was a good all right babe we love pacu we love pacu it was a good six-week era <laughs> it was a brief stint for me anyway but like we had patients who would quickly have an arterial bleed and if something looks abnormal or it's a hematoma or it's an arterial bleed just immediately because they're dropping they're dropping patients off every five minutes or even then just like page them immediately and have the surgeon be like hey can you look at this yeah the the surgical residents they can always like if you're ever like a packing nurse for example right even an ic nurse that works at the psychu like if you know the surgeons in the or like you guys can call down to the or and then like we get calls in the or all the time or the packy or the icu like hey like the nurse is on the phone and says that this change has come with the patient and someone needs to look at this patient right now yeah usually we'll have a resident break scrub leave the surgery and go assess the patient right or a fellow or well they'll page someone else that's free uploading around or like you know if it was really a big like neck flap bleed or like the yeah. hematoma like the attending might break scrub and physically leave and like go look at the patient if it's something that acute and that serious so and i had a scare have to go back to the or pretty immediately like since go back to the there was an arterial bleed and then within six minutes the uh, it was an anesthesia's airway stat and the surgical team were there and then within like 15 minutes they're like cleaning the or to go back like yeah. Sometimes you do need to make an assessment like very, very quickly. The thing that you never want to do is be uncomfortable, be feeling that there is something wrong with your patient and then stifling that. Don't ever do that. Always ask to get another set of eyes on the patient and then get a provider set of eyes on the patient too. And in the ICU especially, they will do that. It's really frustrating sometimes to work on a floor because you have less access to physicians and to APPs. Like, I truly believe if there was just like a dedicated med surge, like APV and hospitalist that floated around in the way that we have that in ICUs, yes, patients would get such better care. Oh, yeah. Because nurses could get with the orders they needed. Everyone could trust each other and like, and like, and learn more. The nurses would learn more. The doctors would trust the nurses. Like, everybody would be on the same page. And like, it would just be a better environment all around. And it's so important just to the minute you're uncomfortable about something, get another set of eyes in the room. But the study was showing that for nurses who had more than 
two years of experience, a negative feeling about the patient, even if there was nothing physically immediately wrong, was an indicator of deterioration and admission to the ICU. And why is that? It's because of pattern recognition. Over time, you learn to develop patterns and you see that this isn't how it normally should see. So that gut feeling, your nurse gut, it's not really a gut feeling, right? It's like you are seeing thousands of patients and you know what things should look like when something's a tiny bit off, even if you can't fully identify it or pinpoint it, something in your brain registers that this is outside of the normal pattern. And that's when it's time to speak up. As a nurse, all you have is your assessment, right? Like you don't always have invasive monitoring, monitors fail, you know, you don't always know the answers to everything, but like you do have eyeballs and you do have a stethoscope and you do have fingers and like you can listen to lung sounds, listen to the heart, feel the pulse, like look at the color, like talk to the patient, get a really good exam and use that. You have that skill from nursing school from day one. That's the biggest strength you have as a new grad nurse is a really thorough assessment. Use it use checklists and advocate for yourself. And trust your assessment. If you have a gut feeling that something is wrong, maybe you'll learn that what you were concerned about isn't the exact same thing that's going wrong, but something probably is wrong. If you're concerned about something, there's something that's probably wrong there. And then loop in a charge nurse and loop in a provider. Like don't ever gaslight yourself out of not taking yourself seriously. All you have is your assessment and trust your assessment. All right, well guys, thank you so much for joining us today. If you wanna learn more about assessment, you wanna go deeper into it, we have a great assessment lecture in the Confident Care Academy membership that is going to go all into different things you should look out for. Please join us there. Make sure to like this video, subscribe to this channel. It really helps us out a lot. And please comment below what you want to see from us when we do our next build batch. See you next time. Bye.